Blog Talk Radio. is uh, days away. I hope everybody uh, plans on, if you are going out for New Year's Eve, uh, being safe and, uh, uh, you know, not doing anything stupid uh, for that matter. So we want you here next year. This next week will be uh, our first uh, anniversary show here for Punch of the Trace Radio. But that's next week. This week, man, we have the end of the year, the 2014 awards, uh, the first annual Punch of the Face a year in awards since, well, this is the first year we've been around. So, it's only appropriate that we uh, we name you know, fighters of the year, fight of the year, you know, your normal stuff, and then awards that are just fitting for Punch the Face Radio. So we'll get into that here, tap it later in the show. Um, I've already gotten a little flack after hinting about one of my uh, possibly fighter of the year. So I've got a little flack behind that, but we will explain uh, when we get to that here later in the show. Uh, but you can be a part of the show at area code 718. Five zero eight nine eight five two. As well, you can tweet me at punch underscore the number to the face. You can also email me at brandon at punch to the face dot com. But before I get too too in depth uh, here with the year end awards, uh, got a little little news that if uh, this going on right now here in MMA, um, this antitrust lawsuit with the UFC. Uh, since we originally broke the news, it has grown a tad bit more. Uh, we have some more names who have now added to, to the list or doing their own separate filings against the UFC. Uh, right now, we have Brandon Vera, uh, Pablo Garza, who added their names. They're part of one suit against the UFC. And then Dennis Hallman and Javi Vasquez, uh, excuse me, Javier Vasquez, or uh, two other gentlemen who have now partnered up. And they're also uh, filing claim here against the UFC. It's only going to get worse and worse as time goes on, unfortunately. Uh, It's just one of those things to where it just literally is what it is. Uh, This is kind of the bet the UFC is in. It's not completely fair to them, per se, uh, for us to quite pass judgment on them and, 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 you know, put them in the court court of public opinion. But um, nevertheless, Right now, on paper, it doesn't look good. Um, I have a feeling most of these things are going to probably end up being settled out of court. But the UFC is just going to, you know, uh, continue to fight, win, and then possibly sue those people for um, legal fees. Yeah, that happened with uh, Ken Shamrock quite some time ago. Uh, Ken Shamrock tried to sue the UFC, lost, ended up having to pay the UFC's bills uh, for uh, the um, – for their legal proceedings. They have actually covered that for the UFC, and I'm still not sure if he's completely paid them off or not or they filled it out, but he owed them uh, the tune of over 
and seventy thousand dollars in lawyer fees. This is, you know, it, it could be a double-edged sword for some of these fighters who are now listing uh, and wanting to be a part of these this antitrust suit. Uh, if they win, they may be able to possibly, you know, cash in and get some money. They lose, they stand the possibility of possibly getting sued themselves and being out of money. So it, it, it's weird on many levels. I personally don't, I don't like it. I think it's lame. I think it's really, really lame that they're doing that. But, you know, it is what it is with that. Um, I don't know. 2015 could be very interesting for um, everybody associated here with the UFC and these gentlemen adding their names to the list. One interesting thing that did come out uh, since we originally reported about this is that, uh, you know, former uh, UFC fighter and uh, UFC Hall of Famer and now Bellator fighter T. Ortiz was actually approached with this last summer about naming his name here to the suit um, after he had parted ways with the UFC. And he thought at that time it wouldn't be a good idea for him to do that for what he was trying to do with Bellator. And just kind of going on still as a professional, didn't think the timing was right for that for him to get involved. So um, it is interesting about that. You know, some of his representatives are saying, you know, no, it didn't happen that way, while attorneys are saying, yeah, it did. We did ask him to be a part of that. He, he declined not to. So uh, interesting, interesting. And as well, you know, Zito sent us out some subliminal tweets uh, directed towards King on the Wall as, as well as Rampage Jackson since Rampage has now uh, joined the UFC and, and gone back to him. So you kind of wonder what's going on in Tito's mind right now if he has maybe a little uh, remorse for not maybe him not being able to go back to the UFC while Rampage could. I, uh, uh, speaking of Rampage, Rampage has actually been called out by uh, uh, Fabiano Maldonado, um, you know, UFC light like heavyweight fighter, I won't even come in the contender. Uh, I think somehow he's like ranked in the top 15 just because I, uh, I don't know why he's ranked in the top 15, but he's ranked in the top 15. Uh, he's actually called out Rampage saying he wants to welcome him back to the UFC. Um, I think I'd even said it on last week's show. If not, I know I've said it here on uh, on Twitter um, when I was talking to people. I honestly called this fight out when Rampage was signed to the UFC. I said, who else is Rampage going to fight? He's not a top 10 guy. He can't be the top ten guy. He doesn't like fighting wrestlers. There you go. Uh, Maldonado is perfect for him. Maldonado is a uh, former boxer, or still boxes, or calls himself boxing. He's down in Brazil, so it's not like he's fighting uh, top flight competition there in boxing. I've seen some of his fights. Yeah, this <laughs> is not good. Um, but you know, nevertheless, he does have his hands. So I mean, it makes sense. I mean. It could be a decent co-feature on a card. Um, you may be able, maybe even able to pass that off as a main event on a Fox Sports card. Uh, I don't know, but that's the news there. Um, you know, I sent this tweet out, you know, before the show started, and asked somebody, "Can they please explain to me what the hype is with Brock Lesnar? Uh, did anybody know? Could somebody tell me why that him coming back to the UFC uh, the second time around would be any different?" Uh, then the first time, and he looked like he couldn't take a punch. Well, then the news came out here, you know, in the last week that uh, public school president Scott Coker has actually reached out to Brock Lesnar, kind of sent some feelers out uh, to his people. And as well known, Brock Lesnar is still under contract with WWE for professional wrestling. <laughs> and... Um, he is, uh, that contract set to expire from what I'm saying end of March, first week of April. Somewhere in that time frame is going to expire after WrestleMania. Um, once that's expired, 
you know, all indications are he's going back, um, back to profession, back to MMA. I'm not. Sh- I'm honestly, one thing I'm not sure on is I'm not sure if he has a contractual obligation still to the UFC upon him leaving, or if he just had one fight deals, or how that worked out with the UFC if they have any uh, rights to his MMA uh, future, if he if he's a legit free agent or not. Uh, but Scott Coker has reached out uh, to. Um, to Brock's people to see if Brock would have any interest in Bellator. Um, to make things even stranger, Bellator is also, Scott Coker has also admitted he has reached out uh, to Fedor Emelianenko, a former uh, Strike Force, Affliction, M1 Global, Pride fighter, uh, to see if he had any interest in possibly not only coming back to mix martial arts, but coming back and possibly fighting Brock Lesnar if they were able to sign him to Bellator. This is just how wacky this is starting to get now. Um, you know, Fedor hasn't fought now three, four years, maybe even longer than that, uh, since he has actually been retired from the sport of mixed martial arts. He seems to be happy and at peace. Uh, he's just doing his thing over there in Russia, just living life. Uh, so I, I don't see him coming back to MMA. I don't see him coming back to fight Brock Lesnar. It, it really makes no sense. However, the only way that that fight would make sense is if they could put that on pay-per-view and that would be able to generate a ridiculous amount of revenue for Bellator and Viacom. Everybody can see through that. That would make a lot of money. Um, not the greatest of all ideas, but it could make a lot of money. And that's what it's about anymore. It's all about uh, generating revenue and making money. It's not about, you know, fights actually making sense. Fights actually fans want to see. It's about making money. And, yeah, there you go. Uh, so, you know, that, that news has leaked out. Uh, from all indications, Fedor is saying, nah, I'm not interested. Uh, Brock Lesnar probably has zero chance of going to Bellator, but... Uh, but Bellator may end up having another wrestler actually joining their ranks. Now, I didn't know this, and I'm kind of glad I didn't know this, but then when I found out I knew about it, I didn't want to know about it anymore. I'll make sense of that here in a moment. Okay. Now, there's a professional wrestler named uh, Alberto Del Rio. Uh, his actual uh, government name is uh, Jose Alberto Rodriguez. Uh, he is a professional wrestler. He's uh, wrestled and was a former WWE uh, world champion. Um, from what I'm assuming, a popular guy. Um, I think he's like a second-generation pro wrestler uh, with his family. I didn't know this, but before he actually started, you know, really making it big in, in uh, wrestling, he was actually a MMA fighter and actually fought Mirko Krokop over pride. Now, he fought Pro Cop with a mask on. Yes, you heard me correctly. He wore a mask. And ended up getting head kicked um, and knocked out. He has actually been reached out to by Bellator about possibly going there and fighting um, in, in mixed martial arts for Bellator. He's kind of getting the itch. And at age 37, he wants to see if he has anything left in him to possibly do that. It's really starting to turn MMA into a freak show. Uh, mixed martial arts is legitimately turning into a weird freak show, okay? It, this isn't 
you know, years ago when people wondered what mixed martial arts was and, you know, Senator John McCain called it human cockfighting, and then, every, you know, the UFC really came in and, you know, big thank you to Lorenz Fertitta and um, his brother, I'm forgetting the other brother's name, uh, the Fertitta brothers. The Fertitta brothers and Dan White for coming in, cleaning up the sport, getting things regulated, having rules, and having some sense of stability to it. But really over the course of the last five years, that's starting to go out the window. Uh, you know, from everything from Kimbo Slice, you know, backyard fighter, uh, to, to, you know, being pushed upon us there when he was a part of uh, Elite XC, over on Showtime as being the next big star and then putting his fights on CBS, um, to James Tony, a professional boxer, having zero business fighting in mixed martial arts, getting a shot in the UFC against Randy Couture and then getting choked out. Um, now you've got, you know, CM Punk, who's never fought uh, or wrestled co- uh, collegiately, now wanting to be a pro fighter and, and getting an opportunity with the UFC. You have Bobby Lashley, who's, you know, for years did pro wrestling. Um, granted, he does have some pedigree and a background in uh, wrestling in, uh, in college, but he's wanting to do this. He's wanting to try to do both. Uh, you've seen King Mo and Rampage, uh, part of uh, TNA, wrestling and still being fighters. It's it's too much blending uh, of this weird realms of MMA. You know, I just want to see fighters fight. I don't want to see sideshow freak circuses. And this is what this is starting to turn, turn into. You're starting to get these guys who have names or reputations to try to bring eyeballs to your company to sell tickets, uh, to get, um, you know, get uh, sponsors and, you know, promotion, get more money. It's starting to turn into a weird freak show, and it's not good. It's starting to discredit the actual fighters who go out and train every day and take this serious. It's really starting to discredit that, and I don't know if people fully and honestly understand or get that, that this is starting to devalue the product that we love. And you can say, oh, no, it's not. If you really start looking at the numbers and looking at the ratings, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And if it keeps going down this pattern in 2015, 2015 could be the year that MMA really slides off the map. So we got to be careful with some of these freak shows and, you know, wanting to get eyeballs on my product, you know, watering it down just to get, you know, some attention to it. You want to bring in pro wrestlers and other people from outside the sport into the sport. Don't do that. And, you know, Bellator is right now on that slippery slope. You know, you're talking about bringing in Brock Lesnar, uh, Fedor Emelianenko, who hasn't fought in years. You're talking to another uh, pro wrestler who wants to come in. Um, you know, rumor has it they're losing sponsors. Uh, they let go of one of their uh, ring girls, uh, Jay Bryce, uh, is no longer with the company. She announced that here over the weekend. So I don't know what's going on in Bellator. You know, their first card's here in, in two weeks here on January 16th. We'll see what, what they have to offer. They're going to go to just having a card a month. We'll see. We'll see. But I'm... I'm not sold on what's going on, and it's kind of kind of making me scratch my head just a tad bit. But uh, that's neither here nor there. But uh, one thing, another thing that's kind of turning into a sideshow freak circus is a UFC 182, and it's kind of unfair um, to really call it that. But it's the way it's being promoted. You know, they had a conference call today, and but of course, Sean Jones and Daniel Cormier, you know, doing what they do. But, you know, they've now tagged this fight bitter rivals. You can't be really a rival with someone if you've never fought them, right? Rivalries in sports or, you know, when teams and fighters 
have fought each other numerous times and played against each other numerous times with each side, you know, exchanging wins. These are the first time these gentlemen have met. Besides um, their little shoving match um, at a presser for the event hero of the summer, you can't call you somebody a rival if you've never fought them. So them using the tagline "bitter rivals" in, this, in itself is a joke. Um, you know, they're really hamming this up about John Jones and Daniel Cormier hating each other, and you can honestly tell John Jones could probably care less one way or the other. Um, he's more focused on the fight, and it seems like Daniel Cormier, he's trying to get into that mode of fight focus, but he's hamming it up a little bit in regards to the uh, the, the trash talking and what have you. And I know these guys got to sell a fight, but it, it, again, it takes away from the fight itself when you see guys um, doing stuff like this, you know, ahead of a fight. But nevertheless, um, UFC 182 will go down here this Saturday at a new price point of $60 for you on high-definition pay-per-view. Thank you, Dana White and the UFC. So that'll go down here on Saturday night. Now, the main event is John Jones versus Daniel Cormier for the lightweight, light heavyweight championship of the world. Donald Cowboy Cerrone versus Miles Drury in a lightweight bout. Brad Tavares versus Nate Marquardt, middleweight. Um, two guys named so I'm going to probably miss an the flyweight division, so we'll just pat that over. And a welterweight bout on the main card of Hector Lombard versus Josh Berkman, who's making his return uh, to the UFC. And as well as Danny Costello, uh, Costello, a former Prince of the Face radio guest, is on the card. Uh, Sean Jordan's on the card. Evan Dunham versus uh, Rodrigo Dam is on the card as well. So, uh, but my main focus here is the main card here of the event. Now, let's start here with the welterweight division. Hector Lombard is um, definitely re- rejuvenated and hit the reset button on his career uh, since moving down to welterweight. Um, he was a okay middleweight um yeah, he was okay middleweight with the UFC. He was actually a great middleweight uh, during his Bellator era, but you know, at middleweight, he, he kind of struggled. I mean, he was able to go uh, one and two, and the losses he had were bad losses. Um, since dropping down the welterweight, he's won two fights in a row, knocking out Nate Marquardt, um, winning a very lackluster fight against Jake Shields here in March. So now it's going to take on Josh Berkman. Uh, for Berkman, Berkman's getting in, in a weird opportunity. You know, he's actually coming up with a win, though, at, um, in, actually in March, the last time he fought, uh, against Tyler Stinson, the World Series of Fighting. He pretty much poked and fought and got his way out of his contract there uh, with the World Series of Fighting after losing uh, their inaugural welterweight championship out against Steve Carl. Uh, but he really, since his time out of the UFC, which has been now uh, close to six years, uh, he's actually been rather good. I mean, he's only lost two fights uh, in that time frame, a fight to Jordan Meade and a fight to uh, Steve Carl uh, in the World Series of Fighting. So he's actually had pretty good record. He's beat some solid guys from John Fitch, Tyler Stinson, Gerald, uh, Gerald Harris. Uh, so, you know, he's got a decent resume in his time away uh, from the UFC. But you got to kind of wonder, he's now stepping back up in competition. Um, Hector Lombard's no pushover now. Hector's not the the dominant guy that we were seeing laying guys out left and right during his days uh, in Bellator, you know, winning and flashing in fantastic fashion. He's not that guy anymore. At least he hasn't really shown that consistently consistently here in the UFC. Uh, but he has shown that he has those tendencies. You know, Josh, Ber- <clears throat> Josh Berkman's a solid fighter, but I think Hector Lombard uh, is kind of a 
a skill set higher. So you got to be easy with that kind of stuff when your skill set higher, um, you know, than your opponent. I like Hector Lombard here for the win. I think Hector's going to go out, and um, I look forward probably in the deal and finishing him. I think the main chance that um, Josh Berkman is going to have is he's going to have to get the fight to the ground. He's going to have to try to wear down Hector Lombard. Because that's something we've always wondered about his gas tank is how much gas, um, you know, stamina-wise does Hector Lombard have. So I'm going to go with uh, Hector Lombard there. Like I said, Berkman's shot is going to be at to drag this fight in deep water, and hopefully Lombard gasses out by the third round. Now, in the middleweight bout, uh, Brad Tavares versus Nate Marquardt. Now, you know, Nate Marquardt's another world staff kind of has a herky-jerky uh, career. He, he just really hasn't been all that consistent over the last five years. Um, he is he did beat James Tahuna via armbar here this past summer um, down in New Zealand. So it was a solid win, uh, but he's actually coming off three prior losses in a row uh, to that, two of which were pretty bad knockouts to Hector Lombard, as I mentioned earlier, Jake Ellenberger. Uh, now he's going back up to middleweight uh, from his time at welterweight. Uh, so this is actually going to be his uh, second fight in a row here in middleweight uh, for the UFC in his uh, second go-round here with the company. So this this should be interesting. This should be really interesting to see how he looks at middleweight this time around. Um, I've always thought that, you know, his striking was underrated, and we all know he has an extremely solid uh, submission and ground game. Maybe one of the more um, underrated uh, ground games there is. Um, I yeah, somewhat underrated. You know, it's black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He just seems at times not to use it uh, enough in some of these bouts. You know, against Brad Tavares, he's going to need to use it. Uh, Tavares is more of a – he's more of a striker, more of somewhat of a ground, you know, grinded-out kind of guy. But he's coming off of back-to-back losses to Tim Boach and Joel uh, Romero. Um, so losing two fights in a row, Tavares is back against the wall. This is kind of a must-win situation for him and really for Mark Hart as well. Uh, Mark Hart, you know, like I said, he beat Tahuna here over the summer, but prior to that, he's lost three fights, two of which have been under the UFC banner. He really can ill afford to have lose, you know, a third fight out of four. Just would not be good for him. Same way with Tavares. Tavares loses three fights in a row and say this is another knockout, meaning back-to-back knockouts. You know, UFC may look and say, uh, do we really need any more out at this point? So it's a must-win fight. It's kind of interesting. You've got guys uh, kind of with their, you know, fight history, you know, one coming off of back-to-back losses, another one who's uh, lost three out of his last four as being your third bout, you know, on the pay-per-view card. A little, little sketchy there. You know, that, that fight would be great on the prelims, maybe in the opening bout of the pay-per-view, but is their third fight on the pay-per-view. A little sketchy there, a little sketchy. But I'm going to go with Nate Marquardt to win there in his uh, second fight here at the middleweight division in his UFC return. The co-feature of the night is uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone versus Miles Jury. Now, you know, Miles Jury is undefeated, uh, has looked well, and has looked well against good competition. He's beat Michael Johnson, uh, Ramsey uh, Ninjum, Mike Ricci, Diego Sanchez, uh, Taki Aragomi. Uh, those have all been his victims here uh, lately throughout his UFC run. So he's a solid fighter. Uh, and he's doing it in kind of a some different ways. He's got some submissions. He's got some decisions. He's got some knockouts. So he's showing that he's a, he's a very well-rounded fighter. Donald Cowboy Cerrone, there may 
it's hard to say there may not be a hotter fighter in MMA in their respective division than Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, he's fresh off a just a humiliating uh, beating he gave to Eddie Alvarez uh, at UFC 178 in September. I completely love the fight because it just showed what I've been telling people for years, Eddie Alvarez was overrated, pretty much chopped him down to size, literally. Um, you know, he's beaten Jim Miller, Edison Barbosa uh, this year, and, uh, and, and Eduardo Martins. Those are, you know, that's how he's finished his 2014. He's had, uh, let's see, four fights here this year, four wins, uh, three of which were stoppages except for the last one here against Eddie Alvarez, um, which was a dominating performance for three rounds. So, you know, he's, he's on a streak. He's, he's looking good. The guys he's lost to, and the last guy who actually beat him was Rafael Dos Anjos last summer, summer 2013, and, and look where he's at. You know, Dos Anjos is the next guy in line for a title shot. You know, one would think here, if Cowboy Cerrone goes out and wins and wins convincingly, he should be the guy next in line for a title shot. Now, I don't think he should leapfrog Dos Anjos. I don't think that would be fair to him, but that fight would make sense. Now, if he doesn't want to wait, and we know Cerrone does not like waiting, if Henderson beats Eddie Alvarez uh, when they fight here, I, I want to say it's next month as well, um, that fight would then make sense for Cerrone, Henderson, next number one contender. It will be the third time they fought. Vincent Henderson has beaten, um, beaten Donald Cowboy Cerrone twice during their WEC days, so that fight would make sense. Um, you know, this time around, you know, like I said, there's no one who's hotter than Donald Cowboy Cerrone right now in MMA. It's going to be tough for anyone to say that they are a better win streak or doing better or bigger things than him. So I like Donald Cowboy Cerrone there versus uh, Miles Drury. I think Cowboy has just got too much. He's got too many different tools, man. I mean, we've just, he showed in the Eddie Alvarez fight the, the kicks. Uh, we know he's uh, dangerous with the submission chokes. He's got a little bit of everything going, and that's what we like. That's what we like about Donald Cowboy Cerrone. We know even if the chips are down, it looks like he's losing the fight, he's going to go balls out and not quit and just continue to go the entire fight. So that's why I like Donald Cowboy Cerrone there. As far as the main event goes, Daniel Cormier and John Jones. Uh, I'm kind of torn here. I, I have a couple of different theories about this fight and I, I, how they'll play out. Theory number one is Daniel Cormier is going to go out and just out-wrestle and just sling around John Jones around the cage. Uh, Cormier just seems like to be the, the naturally stronger guy. You know, he's the guy dropping down from heavyweight to light heavyweight and, you know, has the wrestling background, pedigree, Olympic wrestler. Now, we saw he was flinging around heavyweights. He flung around Dan Henderson like a ragdoll here earlier this year. So that's one theory. The fight could really just go that way, and it could be completely one-sided for Daniel Cormier. The other theory is the fight could be completely one-sided for John Jones. Uh, him using his length and uh, working off the jab and just not giving any space to – Daniel Cormier to move in for a takedown, um, or him his limbs being so you know awkward and you know, him being so long that Cormier is not able to really get a good grip on him or get good good or get good angles on him. And John Jones sprawls and gets out of the takedowns. Uh, like I said, lands the jab, works the leg kicks, uses his distance 
uses his awkward angles and striking to just keep Cormier um, off of this rhythm the entire fight. You know, that's that theory. But then the third theory I have, and unfortunately I have a feeling it's going to work this way, this is going to be a very sloppy fight. It, it could, it's going to end up being extremely sloppy because very rarely do you have fights that when you have this promotion behind them, this much juice, this much uh, media attention, do you have the fight actually live up to its billing? I have an odd feeling this fight is going to flounder and not be entertaining. Um, I, I really hope it's not, but it just, you know, history has shown us that when you have fights that you hear everybody hyped about and you, you see the hype machine and people doing interviews and you've seen all these great promos and videos and fight night happens and the fight stinks. I, I have a really bad feeling that's going to be the case here with UFC 182. The fight's going to stink. Uh, it'll be a bunch of clinching. Uh, a lot of infighting, um, you know, possibly Daniel Cormier just laying on top of John Jones for five rounds, pause. Um, it, it just won't really deliver in the action area. And I don't I don't want it to happen that way, especially for anyone who's having to shell out 60 bucks to order this on pay-per-view in high definition, including myself. I may do it. I may not. We still don't know yet. Um, so I, I just don't. I got, a weird, I got a weird vibe, and when I have weird vibes like that, it's just never good. And they typically, I would say 80% of the, chance, 80% of the time, my gut feeling is telling me something, it's right. And my gut feeling is telling me this is going to be a horrifically boring and awful fight to watch. It's just the, the styles just will mesh up in weird ways and won't produce enough action that we thought we were going to see when these two guys have such bitter rival and bad blood between them. Uh, with that being stated, you know, it's one of those things, and so someone actually beats John Jones, I'm not betting against John Jones. Um, I think John Jones has proven that he is the best fighter in the world, pound for pound. Uh, not to take anything away from Daniel Cormier, but I don't know if Daniel Cormier has the gas tank for five rounds now at 205 pounds. We don't know that. We don't know that quite yet. Uh, he hasn't really been pushed to where he's had to – um, really endure four or five rounds. Now, we saw him go, you know, three rounds with Dan Henderson here in May. And, and, and Dan Henderson, you know, bless his heart, Dan Henderson was game, but Dan's a, a shell of himself. Um, so those three rounds were more like one and a half rounds uh, for Daniel Cormier. It was, it was really easy work. And if anyone doesn't believe me, go back and watch that fight. That fight was easy work. Uh, beyond that, the last time he actually fought for five rounds, uh, was here in 2012 against Josh Barnett, and that was in the heavyweight division. So, you know, it's a lot of factors that this laying into this literally uh, Daniel Cormier's weight to where I'm, I don't know, I'm not really 100% so to him at 205 because he beat Patrick Cummings, who was brewing coffee weeks before the fight, and he beat a very old and washed Dan Henderson. So, you know, if that's your resume at 205, that's not that good. Uh, John Jones proof is in the pudding. So until someone beats John Jones, you know, I, I gotta I gotta keep going with John Jones for the win. It's just that simple. It's just no one who's out there who can beat him that I've seen yet. Now, if Daniel Cormier goes out and do it, you know, I tip my hat to him. You know, I will definitely say and, and praise him, uh, you know, for his win and for his effort. But I just I don't see it happening 
this fight. I don't see this him as being the man who beats John Jones. I think the man who could beat John Jones is, is really Alexander Gustafson. But unfortunately for Alexander Gustafson, he's going to have to go through Anthony Rumble Johnson first before he can get another shot. And I'm going to say this now, Anthony Rumble Johnson is going to shave years off Alexander Gustafson's career in that fight. I, I look for Rumble to possibly knock him out. Whether Rumble can do that against John Jones is, you know, to, you know, still to be seen, but that's the fight I'm looking for here, you know, this spring. It's going to be John Jones and Rumble Johnson, but I, I don't, I, hey, I, I just, I know Daniel Cormier is a hell of a fighter, and I know what he's capable of, but I just, I, I can't get, his resume worries me a bit. The weight cut, it's only his third fight here at 205. I'm going to have to go with John Jones. Until someone beats him, I I, I got to go with him. I mean, he's the champ. He's the champ for a reason. So, you know, there are my picks. So we've got, um, to recap for you, John Jones, Donald Cowboy Cerrone, Nate Marquardt, and uh, Hector Lombar. Uh, those guys for the win there at UFC 182. And, again, that goes down here Saturday night um, on pay-per-view. So definitely – Check that out. Um, you know, support the fighters. Although, don't go buy a $100 John Jones T-shirt from Reebok. Um, if any, just Google that, and you'll see what I mean uh, in regards to that. It's an absolute joke. Uh, you can get a $100 uh, John Jones T-shirt from Reebok. Not a jersey, not a gift set, a T-shirt. Uh, this is the authentic walkout tee of John Jones for UFC 182. Reebok is already starting off on a bad note with fans uh, in regards to uh, their apparel deal. Uh, that just got completely raked through the coals. So uh, we shall see how that works out for them uh, going forward. <sighs> I don't know on that one. That's one of those I am completely speechless on. So $100 T-shirt there from Reebok. Uh, for John Jones's first fight uh, underneath his new Reebok deal, so there's that. But uh, yeah, man, that's those are the UFC 182 picks. Uh, make sure that you go and if you're a counter move player, make sure you go and play a counter move. Uh, let another punch in the face in you as well. Uh, make those picks when you some fantasy cash. It's fantasy cash, but it's real cash. You know, fantasy MMA. Um, you know, add another wrinkle to it. With the NFL season winding down, we're gonna need something to occupy our time play Fantasy MMA uh, through my friends over at Counter Move. So uh, there is that. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a break, and when we come back, it will be the 2014 Punch the Face Award Ceremony. So I will name all of my favorite fighters, fights, and other knickknacks and whatnot uh, in the world of MMA in 2014. So stay tuned. I will be back after break here with the awards. Yeah, let's do that. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Uh, fuck with your boy. Yeah. It's Santana. Hey, man. Oh, yeah. Make sure you do this. Kill him. Kill him. Yeah, man. I'm back at it. Come on. Today's a new day. Got the boot. Up in the suitcase. So go uptown to Harlem. Tell him that I sent you. Tell him 
Christmas, August, I'm going to November. I need a couple birds, get abroad, have them sent up. Call my bird, get my broad, have them sent up. Call my niggas, call my squad, have them sent up. I see a town I'm liking. See some niggas getting money in a town I like it. I run up on them with the pound and light it. Like it's my block now, alright? He understood me quite clear. Then that thing bang out and rang out the side of his right ear. And I got back to my business. Back to my bitches. Back to the kitchen at Pyrex Vision. I let that white stuff sit in. Get hard, get rock, get to the block and pitch it. Yeah, I'm sorry, but this is how I'm living and this is how I I'm getting Come fuck no more with it. Hey. hand on my handle, listening to gangster music. Hey. I stood at home, head on the chrome and zone, flicking a candle, watching how the gangsters yeah. do it. Stay with me. I stood alone, getting zoned from a thick chicken sandwich. Watch yeah. Yeah. Now I see them around the corner. Gotta stay hot. Part one album, one of my favorite albums of all time. I had to show Dipset some love here for 2014. It's out. I listen to them all day, literally could. But uh, what we're here to do, though, is the first annual Punch to the Face um, MMA Awards. Uh, it's been a fun year, you know, Punch to the Face Radio. Uh, year one, I, I can say, it's been an experience. It's been a blessing. Uh, it's been fun. It's been stressful. It's been a little bit of everything. Uh, but it's only going to be better, and 2015 is something that's going to, uh, we're, we're definitely going to, you just start seeing a shift in, in the way MMA coverage is done, and I, I hope to be a part of that with my team over at BadCulture.net, as well as PunchTheFace.com. We look to be doing bigger and better things into the new year. We're going to continue to bring you the same consistency that we do, the same craziness, uh, from our own little uh, angle and aspects of it, but we're going to have fun with it, and that's what it's all about. Uh, this is what these awards are all about. It's all about having fun. It's just these are just my opinions, um, what I thought from what I saw throughout the course of the year. Um, nothing malicious behind them. Pause, and I'll explain that later. Nothing's completely maliciously behind them. So these are just my thoughts and who I thought in watching these fights throughout the course of 2014 who should get some love and some respect shown to them? Uh, who wowed me? Who who had me going, well, damn. You know, as someone who watches a lot of MMA and watches, <clears throat> watches a lot of boxing, you have to, you got to really keep my attention because a lot of nights when there's MMA on, there's boxing on and vice versa. So I'm flipping a lot of channels. So, you know, a lot of these fights, this year, none really completely grabbed my attention like like they should have, except for really a handful. So here are the nominees that I had here for the 2014 Fight of the Year in Mixed Martial Arts. Um, number one, or first candidate here, is Bellator uh, 112, and that was Pat Curran versus Daniel Strauss Part 3. Now, we had Daniel Strauss on the show here um, was it earlier? He was like one of the first guests in like February of this year, um, ahead of him fighting Pat Kerwin. Um, shout out to Daniel Strauss. Uh, absolutely cool dude. I got nothing but love and respect for Daniel Strauss. He came on the show during his infancy, and we appreciate him for that. It was, it was a while there in the beginning. But you know, he came on uh, ahead of that fight with Pat Kerwin. And you know, the build-up to that fight was he kind of was – for lack of a better terminology, he's being shitted on uh, by Bellator. 
Um, he was having to defend his belt for the first time, but he just beat Pat Curran four um, in, you know, the end of 2013 in Pat Curran's backyard uh, subsequently in uh, Hammond, Indiana. So, you know, he was having to defend the belt against the guy he just beat, but in the general city of the guy's hometown. Uh, it was an excellent fight, back-and-forth battle. Um, you know, Curran was actually losing the fight, I thought, going into the fifth round. Him getting a rich, uh, naked choke. Uh, it was a great, great fight for both gentlemen. But Pat Curran went in and winning that fight. Easily, I thought, one of the best fights Bellator put on. I think that was the best fight Bellator put on in uh, 2013, uh, 2014. So that was one of the candidates there. Uh, the other candidate was uh, Johnny Hendricks, Robbie Lawler, UFC 171. Uh, this was their first encounter, not the one here that just went down a couple weeks ago. Uh, their first encounter was a it was a weird fight to score. Um, you know, Hendricks, we found out, you know, he couldn't he hurt his arm, uh, had a torn uh, bicep, tricep, something set uh, that was tore. Uh, you know, as Camp said, he also had a broke leg and whatever. But you really didn't seem to go for the takedown as much. Uh, we saw Robbie Lawler pour it on late. You know, it's questionable, like, how is the scoring going to go down? How is everything going to happen? And then, boom, uh, you know, Johnny Hendricks ends up winning uh, a very a very good fight, and that's why they ended up having the rematch here uh, just a few weeks ago. So it was a close fight. Um, it was a unanimous decision for uh, Hendricks. I thought it could have went split for Robbie, but it was close. So I thought Hendricks did enough at the end of the day, but it was entertaining enough to where, it was one of those fights like, okay, I can definitely see these two guys fighting again before the year is out, which ended up happening. They are fighting again before the year is out. So uh, they are a candidate. Um, also, Chris Wyman versus Leona Machida, UFC 175. Uh, that was another one of those kind of weird back-and-forth fights. Wheatman was completely controlled early. Uh, Machida started taking uh, advantage in the fourth round. The fifth round, he, he's kind of wobbled wide, man, and was trying to go in for the kill, but just really ran out of time. Uh, didn't put enough uh, pressure on uh, early enough in the fight to where Wyman ended up winning on the cards. But it was a really good fight and, and probably the biggest test thus far of Chris Wyman's career. Um, definitely solidified himself as being, you know, removing any questioning doubt anybody had in regards to him being the middleweight champion after his two wins over Anderson Silva. Uh, one being a freakish leg break for Anderson Silva, the other one, you know, him knocking Silva out uh, as he was showboat. So, you know, you know, Wyman won that fight, but it was a good fight. He got pushed, uh, highly entertaining fight. But the winner for the 2014 fight of the year here at Princess Face Radio is Jose Aldo versus Chad Mendez, part two of UFC 179. Uh, that was a hell of a fight. What you saw with those two guys uh, was clearly – the one and two guys there in the division. There is no, 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 there's no argument there. There's nothing we can say to say, well, Conor McGregor's, no, stop, 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 stop. Those two gentlemen show, bar none, from start to finish of that fight, that they are the one and two uh, best fighters in the world there in that division. That's it, period, point blank. Um, Mendez, Rocked Aldo early, uh, knocked him down. First got to do that in the UFC. Uh, but Aldo was on point with his strikes and just kept Mendez at bay when he needed to. When Mendez would get a takedown, you know, he was scrambling it back up. It was it was just a fun fight to watch to where Aldo was winning the fight, and we all knew that watching the fight. 
but we also all knew Mendez was never out of the fight, if that makes any sense. You know, the champ was in control, but Mendez was going nowhere at all. He stayed in that fight, and he was not budging or going anywhere. Uh, that's what made that fight so interesting. That's what made that fight so entertaining because it was so much back-and-forth action. Well, granted, Aldo was getting the better of it. You could tell if he slipped up, he left the opening open, Chad Mendes was going to be able to take advantage. But Aldo was just too far ahead of his game and on top of his game to let that happen, to let Mendes take advantage of him. So, Jose Aldo, Chad Mendes, UFC 179 is the 2014 Fight of the Year here at Punch the Face Radio. So, shout out to those two gentlemen who uh, earned that honor because they put on an absolute show uh, that night. I was highly impressed. Uh, by those two guys. And I know there's going to be other fighters and fights who are like, oh, what about this fight or this fight on a smaller show? And, and, and I understand that. But I have to look at it from this aspect. These are fights that I watched. Um, <laughs> I watched a lot and some things start to blend in after a while. But this was one of those fights to where I thoroughly enjoyed actually watching it and then watching it again the next day because it was a fun fight to watch. Another fight I do want to give an honorable mention to is, in a, kind of a weird way is uh, Justin Gaethje versus uh, Melvin Gillard uh, from World Series of Fighting. It was interesting in the fact that these two guys were slugging and swinging for the fences, never knocked each other out. Um, very sloppy fight as the fight wore on, but interesting nevertheless. So I, I want to give those two gentlemen a shout-out as well. And I forgot to use my jump roll. We'll use it here for the next award. So... There it is. There's, your, there's our 2014 Fight of the Year, Jose Aldo, Chad Mendez at UFC 179. Our next award up is the Breakout Star of 2014. Now, a couple of different directions you can go here in regards to Breakout Star. So here are the nominees, and I'll explain the nominees here. Uh, the nominees here for the Breakout Star of the Year were Conor McGregor, because he had the hype machine behind him, of the UFC and them wanting to have a, a European product so that they could push upon the people. Um, yeah, people know my thoughts and impressions on Conor McGregor. Needless to say, he has no shot of winning this. Uh, the nominee is current lightweight champion for Bellator, Will Brooks. You know, for Will Brooks, you know, Will Brooks is in a, um, you know, he's kind of an interesting position going into um, the Bellator paper even where he fought Michael Chandler here for a second time. Um, he was kind of, it was kind of looked upon as being, um, they really recognized and respected him as a champion. Uh, he was the interim champion, and that was only because he was a victim of circumstances with injuries and the way things happened with Eddie Alvarez departing Bellator, but he was never really looked upon or pushed like the champion. You saw in their ads, he was, he was in some of their TV spots, but Michael Chandler, who was the loser and no longer the champion, was mainly featured in those commercial spots for Bellator. So I always thought it was weird, but, you know, 2014, he had, uh, you know, he gained his fame, you know, winning a split decision win over Michael Chandler at Bellator 120. He won the interim belt. He ended up winning uh, the full-out lightweight championship by knocking out Michael Chandler uh, in November at Bellator 131 in, in great fashion. It was a great fight uh, for, for uh, Will Brooks. So I thought Will Brooks had an outstanding uh, year, but um, the other nominee, and, and I think this, you know, uh, T.J. Dillashaw. You know, this was kind of an easy one here. Uh, for T.J. Dillashaw, to open the year, very nondescript. 
Uh, beat Mike Easton, eh, ho hum. Um, but you know, after his teammate Uriah Faber had lost again to Ren Morrell, and and him getting his name dropped by um, Uriah Faber, the UFC's kind of said, "Hey, why not?" Um, Ren Morrell had ran through everybody else there was to run through at this point. There's nobody out there left for him to fight, and he's beating everybody up. So when you beat everybody up, it's it's kind of tough to find new opponents and. You know, T.J. Dillashaw stepped up, and what happened, what, what we saw was uh, the birth of a of a new superstar, uh, for lack of a better terminology. Uh, T.J. Dillashaw fought his ass off uh, against uh, Renan Burrell. He used his head movement, um, just never gave Renan Burrell a chance. Beat him in the fifth round and knocking him out. Um, you know, they're having, supposed to have the rematch. Everyone knows, you know, Burrell had the issues with the weight, couldn't make weight. Fight ever getting canceled. He ended up fighting on short notice and literally uh, barely 24-hour notice, Joe Soto, uh, who was going to fight on the card as well. And he toyed with him for five rounds before he finally stopped him. So uh, the winner of the uh, 2014 uh, Breakout Star of the Year is TJ Dillashaw of Team Alpha Male. Um, Like I said, man, this one was a a subsequent no-brainer. Uh, T.J. Dillashaw from really proved his worth um, and, and this year, and just just an outstanding year, and a good good young man uh, from all accounts. No one has any problems, no issues with with T.J. So I, I'm perfectly fine with him winning this award. Um, but shout out to Will Brooks because Will Brooks had a had a great year as well for Bellator, and I think both these gentlemen have a very bright futures ahead of them as being champions. Um, you know, they're champions. They're going to have to go out and defend their belt because the target is now on them and the onus is on them to continue to prove they are the best in their respective divisions. So uh, there is that. Now the next up is uh, actually the award, oh, the award I call the Next Up Award. Now what the Next Up Award means is uh, these are fighters who should have a large or rather they should have a big 2015. Uh, 2014 was more of them coming out of the prospect phase and more of them now going into the, you know, the, the being a, a a showcase fighter um, and, and possibly even title challengers, depending on how things uh, fall out and line up for them as the year goes on. Um, so the next up award, uh, we got several different candidates here. We have Tisha Torres. Uh, of the UFC. Now, she was, uh, as everyone knows, part of the UFC's Ultimate Fighter Season 20. Uh, she was also a uh, fighter there for Evicta FC uh, during her time there. She's currently undefeated, has an undefeated record. I don't really count those losses there inside um, the Ultimate Fighter house. I don't know how those kind of gets her official record. As far as I'm concerned, she's officially 5-0. and um, She's The thing is, that kind of worries me a bit, no savage wins. All of her wins have actually came uh, via her just pretty much grinding and mauling out her opponents for three rounds. But, you know, Tisha Torres has definitely shown that uh, her nickname of the Tiny Tornado is legit. Uh, so she is legit there, and she is a candidate here for the Next Up Award in 2015. Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos. Now, again, this one, very, very easy, safe and say, you know, you know, safe to say why he's, up for this award because he actually knocked out Benson Henderson and did it relatively easy. Kind of, it was kind of scary how easily he knocked out Benson Henderson here in August. Um, 
it really came out of nowhere. Come, came as a shock to all of us who had uh, watched the fight. Was watching on Fox, and we were like, "Wow, what just happened?" So, you know, and then you know he follows that up with a unanimous decision win over Nate Diaz. You know, Nate Diaz. That that fight was. I can't blame Dos Anjos. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. Whether Nate Diaz was a hundred percent physically, mentally focused for the fight or not. I think even if he was physically focused for the fight, I still think Rafael Dos Anjos beats him. Maybe not as dominant, but he was pretty doggone dominant that night. Beat him with relative ease. And our other nominee here for the award is Desmond Green. Uh, in Desmond Green's case, um, you know, 2014 was one of those weird years where it was a blessing in disguise for him. Um, he ended up getting released from Bellator after losing uh, in the featherweight tournament there. He ended up going three and two underneath their banner. You know, they ended up releasing him when Scott Coker had taken over, which, you know, kind of kind of surprised some people to let him go, uh, given the, the lack of depth there, that uh, division for them. But nevertheless, he was released from Bellator. Uh, but, you know, and you guys have heard the interviews I've had with him here on the show is that he ended up having, um, you know, ended up linking up uh, with some with uh, Alchemist Management. He ended up linking up with a trainer and working at TriStar Gym. He ended up linking up. Uh, fighting for Titan FC, and all he's done in the two fights for Titan FC this year is knock out uh, Miguel Torres and um, beat up Steven Seiler here a couple of weeks ago uh, for the featherweight title. So, I mean, he's their featherweight champion for Bellator FC. So, the winner of the Next Up Award, meaning you're going to have a rather large and important 2015, that award goes to Desmond Green. Uh, Desmond Green is going to be the next up winner. He's going to have a big 2015. Uh, he all signs point to him being in the UFC. If if not first part of 2015, one would think really probably no later than midway through the year. I I, I see him going there. Um, I think this has been an excellent opportunity he's had uh, fighting for Titan FC and showcasing himself. And now he's working with Tristar Jim. Uh, the home of Roy McDonald, Mike Ricci, uh, George St. Pierre is back up there now. So, you know, big things are, are ahead for uh, for um, Desmond Green. So congratulations to him on winning the next up award uh, for 2014 to have a big 2015. All right, what we got here next. Next award up is uh, the MMA... Gym of the year. Now, this is this is probably maybe the more difficult award to name because I could really go in several different directions here uh, for this award, and I honestly don't think there's one. There's really no bad choice, quite honestly. Uh, you know, first is American Top Team. American Top Team um, crowned their first champion, oddly enough, this year in Robbie Lawler. So Robbie Lawler was the first one to bring a title belt home there to American Top Team. Uh, but in the meantime, American Top Team uh, continued to flood the um, the various fighting promotions with different fighters from, you know, different weight classes, men, women, um, everybody. I mean, literally just flooding uh, with talent. You know, Will Brooks, Bellator lightweight champion, is there. Uh, Robbie Lawler, Hector Lombard. Tyron Woodley, Ben Saunders, those guys are representing the welterweight division within the UFC. Yeah, yeah I know, it's crazy. Jorge Masvidal, uh, Daniel Strauss is going to be fighting for the featherweight title 
uh, for Bellator uh, next month. Uh, Tisha Torres is down there. Jessica Aguilar, strawweight champion, um, there for the World Series of Fighting. Uh, you know, Glover Teixeira's work down there. I know King Mo the Wall's working down there with him as well right now. Uh, I mean, you can literally go down the list of guys and, and ladies who are fighting out of American Top Team right now. Huge, huge camp, uh, and it, it seems like they're starting to grow in and just get better and bigger. I definitely have. You start looking at uh, some of those names I listed. You look at some of the uh, records for this year for them. Definitely had a good 2000. And 14. Uh, next up is Team Alpha Male. Now, Team Alpha Male, as we mentioned earlier, they had two guys who uh, just won awards. Chad Mendes is part of the fight of the year uh, with Jose Aldo. He's clearly uh, amongst the best in the world. Still got Uriah Favor there. Uh, Danny Costello there, uh, another top fighter there uh, for his gym. Top fighter there in his division, in the lightweight division. Um, you also have now two champions have been crowned there with uh, team Alpha Male. We have obviously TJ Dillashaw, uh, champion here for the UFC, and then Lance Palmer, who actually just crowned, uh, was crowned a champion here this past uh, this month uh, with World Series of Fighting. So it's not like that. This is a team that doesn't have longevity, doesn't have depth. Uh, they got a lot of uh, a lot of a uh, lot of interesting guys there out of that camp and out of that gym. So. They're also up for the award, so they got two champions. Uh, lastly, is last candidate here, last excuse me, last nominee uh, is TriStar Jim. TriStar is kind of a kind of in a weird. I don't want to say weird spot, but I'll explain this a little bit. Now, Desmond Green has now went there. You know, he's a champion now for Titan FC. Uh, you now also have um, Roy McDonald, who is on the cups. I mean, he is just. He's just baiting and waiting his time uh, to fight for a championship uh, there uh, for the UFC. He's just waiting. And, I mean, literally he is just waiting uh, for that opportunity. You have George St. Pierre who is or isn't coming back. We don't know, Um, (laughs) which is just crazy in itself uh, if you think about it. Uh, You know, Mike Ricci's there. They've... We've got a host of just young Canadian talent and, and guys from up uh, in the uh, northeast area of the United States who are going up there and training. A lot of the thing is that the kind of reason why I listen, they have a lot of young fighters and younger fighters who are coming up out of the gym and are making impact on some of the smaller shows and mid-level shows to where you're like, oh, okay, we see what you're doing now. So TriStar Gym is one of those, you know, oddly enough, you know, watch out, you know, big things. Uh, for them, but um, I think this this one was kind of a kind of an easy one as far as when I finally looked at it. You know, at the end of the day, and the winner is from roll. American Top Team. American Top Team is the MMA Gym of the Year for Punch in the Face Radio. Like I said, man, you you really started looking at the guys and the ladies who represent American Top Team and have that logo on their shorts. Uh, every time they go out and fight, that's that camp is scary, and it's and it really just seems like these guys are just getting better. In interviews, when I talk to guys who've trained there with type, with uh, the American Top Team, they all say that what makes it so great is you have so many different guys with so many different backgrounds, all willing to teach and help each other out, 
It's a giant melting pot of MMA knowledge, and that's scary. That is a scary, scary thought that they have that much depth within their camp, and it's steadily growing. People are steadily evolving and steadily learning. So American Top Team, you know, for years we've always known they, were being, they are a great camp, but I think 2014 they kind of separated themselves a bit from some of these other camps, and with some of the, uh, the other fighters on the cuffs of fighting for championships and being a part of big fights, 2015, I, I see no reason why they wouldn't be able to repeat as camp of the year. Uh, but, you know, time will show on that one. So congratulations to American Top Team on winning the fighter of the fight camp of the year. Now, as I said earlier in the show, that I'm, this is all in fun. This is not, you know, to slander or to bring down any fighters, fight, you know, fight organizations or anything like that. But I have to name a most disappointing or struggle, if you will, of 2014. And it's, I have reasoning behind that. But So let me explain the nominees and uh, the winner here for the category. Now, first up is actually Chris Cyborg or Chris uh, uh, Justino. Now, in her case, Chris didn't fight. She didn't fight at all. So it's kind of unfair to name her the most disappointing well, she didn't fight at all. Part of it was not in her hands. Uh, you know, everybody knows early part here, really the first half, or maybe the first, you know, almost two quarters of 2014, you know, her contract with Evicta, Evicta really didn't have a home uh, for their fighters. You know, nothing had been planned or booked until they finally ended up getting their deal with UFC Fight Pass and their fights being streamed through there. So, you know, the first part of the year, just just say the first half of the year, her not fighting, not completely her fault. Now, she did do some Muay Thai and losing a fight to uh, uh, Joannis Bars. I think that's her name. Uh, she lost that fight. You know, she was really the underdog there, and I think people don't realize that the, uh, Bars is actually a monster in, in Muay Thai. But, you know, she was game. She fought. Give her credit there. So, you know, first half of the year, I'm not even, you know, I won't even acknowledge that. But the back half of the year, back half of the year is, you know, her chasing Ronda Rousey and wanting to fight Ronda Rousey at some point in the UFC or wherever. Uh, the two, to the point to where she said, you know what, I'm finally going to do it. I'm going to try to drop down 135 pounds. I'm going to start cutting weight so I can do this, and I'm going to have a couple of fights from Victor FC at 135. Unfortunately, it didn't happen that way. Um for whatever reason she was ever booked, couldn't get down to the weight, ended up hurting her ankle, and then finally saying here in the last couple of weeks, you know what, I just can't do it. I can't make the weight. I'm just going to fight at 145 pounds. And now, you know, now she's starting to uh, try to start the ground roots campaign uh, for the UFC to open a 145-pound division there so she can go there and fight in the UFC. Guess what? There's not enough depth there. That's not going to happen. Um, so there's that. And... Not to mention, she does more modeling and, and photos and Instagram posts than she does fighting anymore. So a lot of people didn't know if she was still actually fighting. thought she was just doing her modeling thing now. So she is a nominee for Most Disappointing Fighter in 2014. Another nominee here is Renan Burrell. Renan Burrell is actually up for this award really frankly because of what happened in the last, in a kind of a, a five-month cluster. 
Um, he lost against T.J. Dillashaw, and maybe it just wasn't his night. But you can definitely tell he had issues with the weight cut. And it came back to haunt him when he was supposed to fight T.J. Dillashaw again, and he ended up passing out after uh, cutting weight. You know, it shows that maybe, just maybe, um, he's fighting in the wrong weight class. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just kind of putting that out there. Maybe I'm just kind of being a little um, prestigious, if you will, but maybe he doesn't need to be fighting there uh, in the Bantamweight division. Maybe he needs to move up uh, to possibly fighting in featherweight. But nevertheless, you know, he, you know, he came back, he bounced back uh, here recently in a fight, but I thought he definitely had a very disappointing uh, 2014, just the, the whole weight cutting and the passing out. It was just just weird for him all the way around. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if the, if the UFC will actually have confidence enough in him in 2015 to put him in a rematch with T.J. Dillashaw, build and promote that fight up in, in hopes that he can actually target and make the weight when the fight happens. That's the most. That's one of the most intriguing things going into next year, as far as I'm concerned, uh, for that. Um, and another nominee is Alexander Shlomenko. Now, Alexander Shlomenko uh, was the former uh, Bellator middleweight champion of the world. He just really does not seem to be himself after the Tito Ortiz fight uh, at Bellator one one twenty. He had fought him at. Um, uh, I kind of feel bad for Alexander Shemenko because I think he was put into an, op, you know, he was he was pretty much put in that place to fight to Ortiz when he really had no business in fighting him. There was no reason whatsoever he should have been fighting Tito Ortiz at, at light heavyweight at all. Shouldn't have happened. Should have not have happened. It was something that should have happened. Uh, but the powers to be a double sword made that happen. Now, oddly enough, after he got choked out in that fight, he didn't choke out in his next fight uh, in September against Brandon Halsey and losing his middleweight title. Just didn't look good in that fight at all. Um, granted, it lasted all 35 seconds. Uh, he did bounce back before the years out and won a, a fight over in Moscow. But um, it wasn't him. he wasn't the same self as the unanimous decision win. You know, he looked good in that fight, but I, I really don't know much about his opponents where I can say, you know, he was fight, facing top-flight um, opposition there. He was fighting a fellow Russian fighter, so, excuse me, uh, excuse me, a fellow, fellow European fighter. So I, I don't know how good that guy is, but, you know, he looked decent there. But uh, definitely a struggle year for Alexander Slamenko. So the winner is for the... 2014 most disappointing fighter of the year is. We actually have co winners this year. Co winners of Chris Cyborg and Alexander Shemenko as being the most disappointing fighters of 2014. Um, you know, th- this one was it was tough to name a winner, or in this case a loser, uh, in that regards. But, you know, Alexander Shemenko, Bellator has ruined him. And I can't say Bellator. John Remney has ruined him. Um, I don't see him ever being the same fighter he was underneath the the Bellator banner uh, when he was the middleweight champion and laying guys out and knocking guys out and, and doing it in from body punches and knockouts to 
all kind of just crazy stuff. And he was winning fights, winning tournaments, winning titles. I don't see him being that guy anymore. I, I think that fight with Tio Ortiz might have snatched his soul. And that's so sad to say for a guy who's 30, but I think that fight might have completely snatched the soul out of him. Um, you know, he's going to be fighting Melvin Manhoff here at Nuttle 133 in February. Now, this is a fight that is tailor-made for him to stand up and bang and, and stand up and win. So, you know, he can win this fight, but as far as if he has to step up in competition, they're in the middleweight division, or if he fights a wrestler who gets him to the ground, I, I don't know. So, I mean, he, he could have, he could look great here in the Melvin Manoff fight, but I, I don't see him doing much of anything or him being a champion again. Um, the other winner, in this case loser, Chris Cyborg, like I said, you know, we all, it, it, it's kind of weird when you say your body can't take the weight cut to 135. You know, that's what you're saying here one year. The next year you're saying, oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it. I'm going to get a dietitian. And then you just completely flame out. And you, you send a message to MMA, female women fighters, saying uh, you should, you know, not train but take, you know, photos and be on social media. You actually said that in an interview. Like, how can I take you serious? If you're telling female fighters uh, who want to grow and want to see the sport grow for them and them have their own lane within the sport to uh, take photos on Instagram and, you know, post sexy photos and all this other stuff, do photo shoots and, and not train as much. That is insane. That is absolutely insane. And the wrong uh, message you want to send uh, to the female fighters and fighters in general. Like, th- this is why we have so many creepers uh, covering women's mixed martial arts. Just like the struggle on Twitter. There's some weirdos who cover women's mixed martial arts flat out. And, when you're telling women fighters they need to do this to help get a buzz about themselves, you know, that's just not the look that they need right now. That's not a good look uh, for mixed martial arts and definitely for women mixed martial arts. So that in itself, that, that, that ought to earn her some sort of award for saying that. I thought that was really, whoever told her that was a good idea to state that, and whether she made a ton of tongue-in-cheek or not, it was dumb. It was dumb, dumb, dumb. So Chris Cyborg, Alexander Semenko, uh, co-winners of the most disappointing fighter of 2014. Now the next award. Now again, this is this this one is this one was tough, but this is something we do on punchoftheface.com. I've mainly done this for boxing. This is actually um, I think it was actually the first year I'm going to actually be doing it for mixed martial arts. Uh, this was the awards. Um, he got to go award, and what he, what I mean by that is he got to go is. This is a fighter who has actually worn out their welcome in mixed martial arts. And this is a fighter who really their best days are far, far, far uh, behind them. And it shows. And this is an award saying, you got to go. You got to leave before you end up hurting yourself. A couple of different directions I could have went here. You know, I didn't name any nominees on PlexusFace.com for this one. Because this is just one of those, people feel a certain kind of way and get a little sensitive when you tell the fighter they need to retire. But in some cases, they may need to hear this criticism for their own good because it comes to a point in time, you just don't know any better. And fighters shouldn't just continue to get beat up on, train and put their body through hell, you know, just to fight because it's something they love. 
I get that. You love it. But, you know, 10 years after you retire, what's your life going to be like? You know, are you going to be able to walk? Are you going to be able to remember what you did 15 years ago? You know, these are questions that some of these guys need to ask themselves um, after these fights and after being in these wars. So I actually named two guys here for the Gotta Go Award. And drum roll, please. The award winners here for this He Gotta Go Award is Shogun Hua and Dan Henderson. And oddly enough, they fought each other this year. Go figure. Now, like I said, let me, let me explain why these two gentlemen are up for the He Gotta Go Award. Now, we'll start off here with Shogun Hua. Now, Shogun Hua hasn't won back-to-back fights since 2009. Let that sink in for a second. Hasn't won back-to-back fights since 2009. Uh, he's now coming off of back-to-back knockout losses this year uh, to Oven St. Peru, a.k.a. OSP, and to Dan Henderson. Um, prior to that, he did have a win in 2013 against James Tahuna, uh, but then suffered uh, two, two losses in 2013 and 2012 to Chelsea and Alexander Gustafson. You know, to, to show Shogun's credit, it's not like he's losing against bums, but you can tell Shogun is not the same guy that he was in the Pride era. What has happened to Shogun, and, and same for Dan Henderson, is these two gentlemen have been through so many wars and so many fights in their time in Pride and, and even in the UFC to where they've shaved years off their life and definitely off their career. Um, there's really zero reason Shogun Hua should still be fighting. You know, Shogun is all of 33 years old, but Shogun does not need to be doing this. He really doesn't. Um, what you do with him next is beyond me at this point because he can't beat anybody in the top 15 in the light, lightweight division. He can't. He can't beat them. And there's no point in him continuing to put himself through that. Now, what will happen is he'll probably he'll get another fight with the UFC. He'll win. And people will think, oh, Shogun's back. Because we kind of felt the same thing when he uh, knocked out uh, James Tahuna here in 2013 of the year. Like, oh, Shogun's back. 2014 is going to be good for him. And then, you know, he has this fight with Dan Henderson where he looked good for a minute and then he gets knocked out uh, in the third round. Ends up getting his nose really disfigured in, in that. Um, you know, then he gets all of the St. Peru, you know, all of 34 seconds and he ended up getting knocked out there. Um, he's definitely one of those, you got to wonder if he's going to be punch drunk. It's, it's sad. It's a very sad state. So, that's why he's got he won the award here. Um, in Dan Henderson's case, it's kind of the same thing. And but Dan Henderson actually may be a little bit worse. Dan does sound a bit punch drunk when you hear him in interviews. Um, let, let's just keep it real. He sounds a bit punch drunk. Um, you know that's not the downing. Dan Henderson is a great warrior, fantastic fighter. Uh, he's done a lot for the sport. But you know Dan Henderson is also over the age of forty. Like, he's 44, he'll be 45 next year. What's left? Like, literally, what's left for you to do at this point? Um, you know, he's going to get another crack at it here in a couple of weeks, really a month from now, against Gegard Mousasi over in Sweden, part of the USC on Fox card. I mean, what's the point at this point? I mean, he loses to Gegard Mousasi. In all honesty, the UFC's determined his contract and say, you know what? You want to fight, go fight elsewhere, but we're done. We've seen enough, Dan. 
please stop. Just just retire. Or just hold his contract and put him on ice and force him to retire that way. You know, Dan Henderson hasn't won back-to-back fights since 2011. Now, when he actually did that, that was – and that was actually maybe the last stretch where he was a dangerous fighter. Uh, he went through a stretch where he knocked out uh, Bob Luce Brawl, Rafael Cavalcante, uh, Fedor Milianenko, all of the only strike force in 2010 through 2011. Uh, in his return back to the UFC, uh, he had one of the one of the top fights, obviously the top fight of 2011, one of the better fights of all time in MMA with Shokohu at UFC 139. But you could tell that night, that was one of those nights that, again, this just goes back to what I'm saying. These two men have been in so many wars, they've shaved years off their lives. They did it that night. They put everything out there. They shaved years off their life. They were not the same guys um, after that fight. Um, so he won that fight, and, you know, he was kind of in the title mix, and then he had a split decision loss against Leona Machida, which I didn't think was a split decision loss, but it clearly lost. Uh, Rashad Evans, same way. But Rashad Evans fights a tad bit stranger because I, I don't know what Rashad Evans was doing. Rashad Evans seemed like he's one of those who didn't really want to pull the trigger. But – I didn't think it was really a split decision loss. It was just a dangerous loss. Uh, Vitor Belfort, he ended up getting knocked out against Tier uh, last year. And then, like I said, he's, he beat um, Shogun, who were earlier this year, but then got completely thrown around like a rag doll by Daniel Cormier for three rounds before finally getting choked out um, in the back half of the third round. So, I mean, it was it was bad. It was, it was not fun to watch that fight and, and really – Watching that fight made me think that Dan Henderson just does not need to be fighting anymore, or at least fighting at this level of competition. This is the best competition in the world uh, there in the UFC, especially in the 205-pound uh, division. There's really uh, nobody who's outside of the UFC right now who you know can stay claim to saying they're amongst the best light heavyweights in the world. Dan Henderson, that, that's just not his lane, uh, that division. So, you know, he's going to be fighting Gegard Mousasi. I believe it's going to be a middleweight uh, here in a month. We'll see. But uh, 2015, man, those two guys, they got to go. We got to stop giving them fights. Uh, we got to stop giving them TV time. They need to just literally ride off in the sunset and enjoy their health while they can uh, because if they continue to fight, they're going to be just in a horrible shape uh, by the time they, you know, in their 50s and 60s. So, um just to encourage, this is kind of a nudge or encouragement to uh, Dan Henderson and Shogun who would have just stopped, just stopped for your own good uh, at this point. Um, so there's that. Didn't mean to bring it down like that, but, you know, it happens. Um, another award here is Executive of the Year. I was going to do Fight Promotion of the Year, but no Fight Promotion really deserved being named the promotion of the year. Uh, everybody had their own faults. So I'll explain why I didn't do promotion of the year. Um, you know, UFC right now has an antitrust lawsuit against them. That's not good. So you can't win promotion of the year. You got people suing you. Um, you you're, you're bringing in pro wrestlers as fighters. And there's a lot of weird stuff with the UFC here, it's, especially as 2014 ended. You know, if none of this had happened with CM Punk and the antitrust lawsuit, hands down, they could have won the award. Uh, they they had the better fights. UFC fight passes have uh, been revolution. Been a revolution, I think. Uh, mixed martial arts, so you know, you know, good deal there. Um, Bellator 
you know, again, if you looked, if you could just take what they've done here in the back half of the year, you could give them a promotion of the say they're the MMA promotion of the year. Um, you know, what Scott Coker is doing and kind of reorganizing, getting into the tournaments and scaling things down while building things up, I like. Uh, I did not like the sideshow freak circus of a fight that was Tito Ortiz and Stephen Bonner, but it got attention and eyes to their product, which is what Scott Coco wanted. Um, every, other fighters are now getting some opportunities and getting some shine, so there's that. So that, that worked, but, um, you know, they get dinged for the way Eddie Alvarez's contract was handled, um, Quentin Rampage Jackson terminating his own contract, uh, the whole Bjorn Remy thing and him getting fired and we don't know where Bjorn Remy is right now. He's AWOL. Um, you see you had all that. The World Series of Fighting. World Series of I don't think NBC Sports Network likes World Series of Fighting. The last couple of shows they put them head up with various UFC or Bellator cards on the same night in the same time slot and they've gotten murdered in the ratings. I you know, I I wanna I really wanna like them. I wanna give them a push. But that's, you know, right there, I don't know how much Race FO and the other parties there, the uh, you know, um, other executives there with the company have to do with that, but that is just bad. Uh, they get, they're just getting shitted on um, by NBC Sports Network. There's no other better word to explain it. They're getting shitted on. So that's why they don't win there. Um, and as well, you have fighters who went out in social media and have asked for the releases, bashed the company, sent showed text messages, and just a bunch of wild stuff. Um, can't name a victor uh, promotion of the year for the fact of half the year they didn't exist. Um, you know, we had Shannon Apple on the show in February. Um, she's actually my Valentine's Day guest uh, that week, and she, you know, she said oh, something was coming, something was coming, and it was like springtime before anything finally happened and dropped. And then we still didn't get fights here until September, so they're still in the search for new stars. So it'll it'll be a while before I think you can put them back in that breath. And especially if next year they're only going to have six fight cards, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they line up and how things set up for them, and and if they can find that you know those spaces to help push the company and stay with the company and, and help uh, promote that that uh, that organization because you know Victor for. For years when they first started, man, just love what they were doing. But right now, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. The jury's still out. they got to get some more uh, stars underneath that banner and build some uh, fighters up. Uh, Evicta and, uh, excuse me, Titan FC, I can't name them, and I'm going to be a homer here because we, you know, have a good relationship with them. So I can't be a complete homer there and give them that award. Uh, and as well, you know, they had their own issues with fighters. You know, they, they have a lot of shake-ups on their cards like the week or two before the fight happens. Uh, you know, guys either getting called to the UFC or guys getting injured, they have a lot of shake-ups uh, with that. To their credit, they do get things redone, and, and the cards are organized. The fights still go on. Um, you know, this year I've heard some cramp, uh, you know some ramblings about how a card here in January getting canceled. As far as I know, that's still a go. Um, so we'll see, but they they have their own issues there, but nevertheless, you know, I do name uh, the 2014 Executive of the Year uh, for Punch the Face Radio. I do name Jeff Aronson uh, from Titan FC. I do give him that award. 
the reason why I give Jeff that award for the simple fact of the way they are structured, you know, good things are ahead for them if if they can just keep this momentum momentum going. Um, they have the UFC fighter out clause, which, you know, for guys who've gotten cut from the UFC or cut from Bellator, you know, it, it, it makes sense for them that they can go out and get a couple of wins outside the organization, build themselves back up, build their record up. UFC can come a call in. They can leave that promotion free and clear with no problem. So, you know, that that's great for those fighters. And as well, uh, they're doing a good job of finding other young fighters, uh, you know, whether they have relationships uh, with those training camps, uh, that they have other fighters with some of the bigger names with, um, who fight for Titan FC, and, you know, they're, you know, getting a guy or two out of their gym, fighting the cards. They're finding young talent uh, to help build up as well, which is also a good thing. So they have that working for them. So, um, you know, a lot of good things. You know, as soon as, the, you know, the deal was announced that they actually um, had Titan FC, Jeff was able to get a TV deal with uh, CBS Sports Network. For the most part, that's worked out good for them. So just a, a lot more positives for them compared to some of the other parties involved. So, uh, you know, his work has been uh, just outstanding here in 2014, and I wish them the best of luck. And, and one thing that I can say, bare none, uh, bar none, bare none, bar none, uh, in regards to Jeff and to Titan FC in 2014 is when I've interviewed fighters and people associated with them, there's been no complaints. Um, quite quite honestly, when you're talking to fighters off the record, you'll ask them questions, and, you know, you, you can see in someone's response in their body language uh, what's exactly going through their head, and, they, you know, they may tell you one thing, but their body language is saying the complete opposite. That's not really the case there uh, with Titan FC. It's one of those things that it is what it is. Uh, those people, you know, seem happy. Uh, they seem content and seem really appreciative of the opportunity uh, that they have uh, with the organization. So, you know, that that's another thing. You, I've had Bellator guys, UFC guys, World Series of Fighting guys on. Not all of them are happy. And you can tell when you talk to them. They're not real happy always about their situation, but the Titan FC people are. So, uh, Jeff, uh, congratulations on winning the Punch of the Face uh, 2014 Executive of the Year. Which now leads me to the final award of the night, and that is the Fighter of the Year. Like I said, I've already caught a little bit of flack uh, for a teaser uh, on Facebook on who I was going to name as the Fighter of the Year. Now, here are our candidates for Fighter of the Year. Uh, we had Donald the Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, for Cowboy, as I said when I previewed UFC 182, um, 4-0 in 2013, 2014, three stoppages wins. Uh, the one win that wasn't a stoppage was a complete and utter domination of Eddie Alvarez. He looked fantastic all year. Uh, gained more fans, got more momentum. So we like uh, Donald the Cowboy Cerrone there. Um, another nominee is Robbie Lawler. Now, Robbie Lawler did lose a fight, but it was a close fight to Johnny Hendricks here earlier this year at UFC 171 for the one-to-way title. Ended up winning it again. Actually, ended up winning uh, the vote here uh, in the rematch in December. Fought an excellent fight, fought great all year round, um, you know, beating Matt Brown in a good fight. So, him going 3-1, and one, winning the welterweight title, um, congratulations to him. So, he's a nominee for Fighter of the Year. Maybe a sleeper pick, and, you know, whether he wins the award or not, I, I felt the need to name drop him and say that he should get some love for that award 
is Emmanuel Newton. I don't think people really realize Emmanuel Newton is a world champion, and he's consistent. He went 3-0 in 2014 for Bellator, three light heavyweight title defenses, three stoppages wins. That's that's dominant. He's doing it very you know various different ways. He's knocking guys out. He's choking guys. You know, he's throwing spinning <laughs> spinning shit in the in the cage. You know, Emmanuel Newton's one of those guys. I don't think people will appreciate him until he's done in MMA, and that's kind of really sad because he's an outstanding fighter. Uh, but definitely want to show him some love and name him a nominee here for Fighter of the Year. Uh, also for the award is uh, Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey went two and zero, two stoppages, fought two fights for a total of one minute twenty two seconds. Uh, also, T.J. Dillashaw, you know, T.J. Dillashaw was already named the breakout fighter of the year. Uh, but, you know, hey, you beat a guy who hasn't lost a fight in close to 10 years. You're the second guy to ever beat Renan Burrell, you know, and made it look easy. You know, you got to get some shine for uh, fighter of the year. So, without further ado, the final award of the night of uh, Punch in the Face Radio's Fighter of the Year Award goes to... The winner is Ronda Rousey. Yes, Ronda Rousey is the 2014 Punch the Face Radio Fighter of the Year. Now, like I said, I got a little flack because some would say, "Oh, you know, stu- you know, they're they're not even really the same wavelength." You know, Robbie Lawler should be, possibly win this because he's fighting tougher competition in his division. I I agree. And I understand that point. My point and my reasoning for naming. Ronda Rousey fighter of the year, which I'm going to say, actually second place was Emmanuel Newton. Like to keep it 100, Emmanuel Newton was number two for the simple fact of all of his wins were stoppages, all of his wins were title defenses. Like he really had a good year, but again, I don't think people really recognize that. You know, the voting went like this: Ronda one, Emmanuel two, Donald Cowboy Cerrone three, Robbie Lawler four. Granted, Robbie Lawler lost one fight, but did win the world title. The title, the fight he did lost was a close fight. This was just, this was just, you know, Cowboy had an outstanding year. And really, there's no wrong answer here, quite honestly. But the reason why Ronda Rousey gets named Fighter of the Year is the simple fact of sheer dominance. You can't fight. You, you, I mean. You, she fought two title fights, okay, two championship fights against, you know, top bantamweight women in the world, and Alexis Davis and Sarah McMahon. Fought them both. And these women could, could easily go to the FC and, you know, any other organization that does women's mixed martial arts and could compete and be their world champion. I, I think that goes without saying. Very, very good fighters. Ronda Rousey made them look like amateurs and made it look easy. Um, you know, December of last year, she fought Misha Tate. It was kind of a sloppy fight, but, you know, she was never really in too immediate danger. But she did catch a little slack, and people said her striking wasn't good. And You know, she, she, she I think she heard those rumblings and took that to heart to where, you know, literally 60 days later, Mind you, 60 days later, after just fighting a three-round fight uh, and defending her title, she took on Sarah McMahon. And she picked her up against the cage, struck her, and hit her with a knee to a body that knocked her out. That took all of one minute and six seconds. 
She didn't fought here in July against Alexis Davis, and just absolutely, it, it took her 16 seconds, and it, she made it look easy. Judo toss, had her in a handlock, gave her, giving her nuggies, and just knocked her out. Um, it, it was really easy work, and that, that's what separates her winning this award versus guys who did fight more this year. And I, I, I do have to take that into account that, you know, Robbie Lawler fought four times, uh, three times for Mary Newton, four for uh, Cowboy Cerrone. So I do have to take that into account. But she fought all the one minute, 26 seconds all year in two fights. I, you, you have to understand there's levels to mixed martial arts. What Ronda Rousey's doing in her division is she's on an ungodly level right now. There may not be a person to beat her. The thing is this. Her next fight here against Kat Zingano in February, that may be honestly her last fight in mixed martial arts. She may end up going to just doing movies. And quite honestly, that may be the last piece of competition she has mixed martial arts. There's not another fighter in the women's bantamweight division who I think has a chance against her. I know some players are going to say, well, but what about uh, Bench Kohea? All right, I, I will I will give you that. But really, if you get past that fight, who else is there? There is no competition for her at this point. Uh, she has shown that she is leaps and bounds above everyone. And, yeah, she's just that good. And, and this is coming from somebody, for me to give her this accolade really – I want to put this in, in, in you know, in, in retrospect for the listeners. For me to give her this award means a lot because I sat here, I, I've been saying since I've been on social media and since, um, you know, the UFC is fun in when the women's MMA. I didn't like Ronda. I didn't see what the hype was all about. Didn't really get it. Um, thought she kind of came off as kind of arrogant, kind of an asshole. But, you know, and in, in reading interviews and, and, and reading up about her and understanding why she's that way, it's it's not so much that she's trying to be that way. It's just she's kind of has tunnel vision when it comes to fights and, and being in fight mode. And I understand that, and I respect that. And when you start looking at the way that she eliminates competition, like, nobody else can really say that. Nobody else can say that they're going out and giving these stoppages stop just wins in such horrific fashion like she does. I mean, she's the closest thing um, really we've seen since, you know, a prime Anderson Silva uh, in the UFC in the middleweight division or a prime Pete, uh, uh, Fedor Emelianenko in the heavyweight division in the pride days. I mean, she's that next lineage. Now, you know, John Jones is in between there, but, you know, she's getting the stoppages. John isn't getting the stoppages at the rate she is. So, you know, this time with Aftercat, if she goes up, she stops eliminates Kat Zingano, there's not much left for her. It really isn't. Um, unless she's willing to meet up halfway with Cyborg, Ronda Rousey's here to stay, folks. She's, she's Duma Uno. So, um, Ronda Rousey, congratulations on being named the Punch of the Face Radio Fighter of the Year. Like I said, Emmanuel Newton was, was second, and, and I really wanted to, I kind of wanted to give him that push for that, but the reason why I couldn't give name Emmanuel Newton the champion is I'm not the champion, but give him that um that uh title is you know, the competition for him was a little bit lower and that's not, you know, really to his that's not his fault. 
Uh, in regards to the competition being a little bit lower, there within uh, Bellator's less, not totally his fault, but uh, yeah, man, it's it's close. It's, it's real close for uh, to me uh, giving him that. So yeah, there there are world winners. I mean, so go down a lot again. Here's a recap here on this year's awards fight of the year. Uh, Jose Aldo, Chad Mendez from UFC 179. That was their second encounter. Awesome fight. Uh, breakout star of the year, TJ Dillashaw. That was an easy pick. Uh, became the Bantamweight champion this year. Uh, the next up award, you know, the fighter who should have a major 2015, Desmond Green, who definitely has one of the more hotter buzzes in mixed martial arts right now. Training camp of the year, American top team. Uh, Crown their first champion, Robbie Lawler, has a host of let me rephrase it, not their first champion. Uh, they're uh, probably another champion because Jessica Aguilar is down there. So, um, you know, they're in a host of other uh, talent down there in, in American Top Team. So they end up winning the uh, training camp of the year. Uh, executive of the year goes to Jeff Arison of Titan FC. UFC Outlaws, uh, you know, just steadily trying to, you know, find fighters and help rebuild them and, and give them an opportunity and doing it not only on a, um, you know, just not giving them fights, but actually doing it on a stage where they can get promotion on CBS Sports Network. That's a big deal. Uh, so they win there. Uh, uh, most disappointing went to co-winners of Chris Cyborg and Alexander Shemenko. Really, really dismal 2014s for both of those fighters. And, again, the fighter of the year is Ronda Rousey. Uh, for going 2-0, and two stoppages in less than a minute and a half total in work. So there are our year-end awards. Um, have a problem with them? Well, too bad. Uh, but feel free to sweep me at punch underscore the number to the face or shoot me an email at brandon at punchtheface.com as well. So there is that. And then tomorrow night for all of my boxing fans, I will actually be naming my boxing awards uh, for next year, along with my comrades on the Rockets, uh, a mission. Ishmael Dual Salam of Beast Boxing Mayhem and NYK Loyalist, Brian Bivens, a.k.a. Sweet Boxing, and, of course, the, cre- uh, uh, the curator here of BackCulture.net, Jandra LaBeouf. Uh, we will be uh, giving our picks and then regard awards here to, on tomorrow night's uh, Ruckus Show round. It will be the same time tomorrow night, so make sure you tune in and listen to me give my takes on boxing uh, tomorrow night. Uh, but that is this week's show. Uh, next week, man, we'll have a return guest. It'll be our anniversary show. First of that, anniversary show, man. We've been around here. It'll be a year next week. Uh, I will have my anniversary show, and I'll also be joined by, uh, you know, the return guest. I did not scare him off. And Cal, uh, excuse me, Cal Dansby of uh, Black Sports Online is going to join me. Uh, we're going to have fun. That's going to be a mess. <laughs> we're going to recap UFC 182. He's going to be live and in the building there in Vegas. Uh, next week, so uh, this weekend. So next week he's going to come on the show. Uh, help me recap that, and we'll talk about what we uh, are looking forward to fight-wise in 2015 and, you know, what the repercussions of UFC 182 is going to be on the rest of the field uh, going forward. It could get interesting, man. It could get real interesting. So uh, Mr. Dance, he's going to join me here next week of Black Sports uh, Online. So shout out to him and those guys over there at uh, Black Sports Online. Our, they're like our big cousin here at uh, uh, BackCulture.net. So we, we love them and respect them and what they're doing. So shout out to them. Uh, so we'll have that on next week's show. 
I will be back at our normal time. So next Wednesday, 8 p.m. Central time. So back on our normal schedule. Uh, the holiday season has kind of thrown things astray here this week. Uh, New Year's Eve being here on Wednesday, I knew I was probably going to be in no physical shape to do any sort of show. Um, and we had Christmas Eve last weekend, so we switched the show here on Monday. But next week we're going to be back at our normal time, uh, Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Central time. So make sure you tune in, and I'll make sure that I let you know, not to forget when the show comes on. Uh, otherwise than that, uh, like I said, man, if you're going to be out celebrating uh, and bringing you the new year here this week, please uh, be responsible. Please be safe. Uh, get a cab. Sleep on somebody's couch. Uh, just fall asleep on a bar stool. Do not get behind the wheel and drive. Uh, be safe so you can actually come back, you know, be able to enjoy 2015 with me and talk MMA and just talk shit in general, hell, uh, for that matter. So make sure you're out there being safe. Uh, if you're out there, uh, drink responsibly, drive responsibly, be safe. Um, until next year, man, everybody have a happy, happy new year. I appreciate everybody rocking with me here for 2014. 2015 will be bigger and better for Punch the Face Radio, I guarantee it. Um, so just, again, from the bottom of my heart, I do want to thank everyone who's been supporting me and listening in. And definitely tell a friend to tell a friend so we can keep this party going, make it larger and bigger than ever for 2015. With that being said, man, I'm Brandon Stubbs. I am signing off, and I will see you uh, next week. So happy new year. We'll bring in 2015 with a bang. Punch the Face Radio. I am out. <laughs>